0: Line in Business. Voice America Business.
1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Gary N. Smith, uh, who is a professor of economics at Pomona College in California, and he's also the author of a new book called Houseonomics, a Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. Welcome to the show, Gary.
3: Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Let's just, before we get into the, the details of your book, kind of get an overall sense of the housing uh, market today. People hear these horror stories and how home values have fallen so dramatically. Uh, is your view that that's kind of media hype, or, or give me a sense of your view of the home market these days?
3: Well, I think that there's truth and there's exaggeration. And the media, you know, likes if it bleeds, it leads, and so uh, the media likes these stories that are attention grabbers, and if an airplane crashes in the park, and uh, that shows up on the evening news, but uh, if somebody goes to the park and has a great time, that doesn't make the evening news, and so we end up being afraid to go to the park because of these things we see. <laughs> so it's there are, there are bad things going on in the housing market, and those are the stories that get covered because those are the ones that have the drama and the... Things like that, but all real estate is local, and you you can't really talk about the the nationwide housing market. And the housing market is very different in Dallas, and Atlanta, and Las Vegas, and Westchester County, and Claremont, California, and Palm Beach. And and that's that's good because uh, people who are thinking about buying a home, or people who are homeowners, they're local too. And what matters to them is what's going on in their community. And so I live in Claremont, California, and. All that matters to me is what's going on with real estate in my town, and I really don't care about uh, Las Vegas or Palm Beach or Indianapolis or Dallas or Atlanta. And so my advice to homeowners or potential homeowners is, is don't pay any attention to the newspapers. If you're thinking about buying a home, just go out and see what's out there and see what you can get.
2: Why did home prices go up so much on a national basis in the early two thousands?
3: Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of psychological stuff uh, going on, and there's also some fundamentals. And the fundamentals are that the, uh, in our book at least, we argue that uh, home prices ought to be related to rents, and the steady march up in, in rents over time has, has been a good thing for home prices. And also the huge drop in interest rates. Back in the early nineteen eighties, interest rates were. 60 mortgage rates were 15 16 18 percent which makes homes uh, very very expensive even though home prices weren't so high the mortgage payments were so high because of those high high mortgage rates and then uh, mortgage rates started coming down and they finally by by 2000 they went back to the level they'd been in the 60s and 50s and 40s and it made home made homes a lot more affordable for people and that that uh, created a lot of demand for housing and then you got, <clears throat> excuse me. Then you got the speculative element that comes in, like in any any market, the stock market or, or whatever, where people see something going up in price and they say, "Oh, this is a way to get rich overnight." And so, just like during the dot com bubble, uh, day traders came into the stock market thinking they could get rich in a few uh, days or hours or minutes. In the same way, in the housing market, you got these home flippers who thought they could get rich, and they you buy a home uh, before it's even finished being built, and then you sell it again before it's even finished being built, and you make make a good profit.
2: What percentage of the housing market was speculators, do you think, at the peak?
3: I don't... I would... I would, it, Again, I guess all, all real estate is local, and there's some places like Indianapolis, where it's probably 0%, and there's some places like Las, like Las Vegas, where it's probably uh, 25%, mm-hmm. or Phoenix, and and it, it's, it's where the housing market is hot. That's where, where you're going to drive in these speculators who think there's easy money to be had. And the problem with them was you do it once and you think it's great, so you buy two homes and three homes and four homes and five homes, and you've got these mortgage payments on the money you borrowed, and, and so you got cash going out, and you got no cash coming in because you're not living in the home and you're not renting the home, and you're just betting that you can sell it in a short while, you hope, for a profit. And once that uh, possibility disappears, there's no reason to own the homes. And so those those home flippers they went out of business. They tried to unload their their inventory. And they
2: put very small amounts of money down as well. That's right.
3: You put, you put so on a four hundred thousand dollar home, you put down ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars, and you borrow on three hundred sixty thousand dollars, and and you're hoping that you're going to be able to sell it fast before those mortgage payments uh, bankrupt you. But then when the market cools, you're you're in a, a deep trouble, and you've got to unload your houses, and and that that glut of, of uh, home flipper houses is, is just a drag on those markets.
2: It, it, there are always cycles in the real estate market. Is this particular cycle more dramatic uh, than ones we've seen in the past?
3: I think it's one of the most dramatic ever, and and, and it, it's not it's not just the home flipping and the run up in prices. What's really made this thing awful is is the uh, the credit crunch, and you had uh, for various reasons you had you had brokers and bankers loaning money to to people who realistically didn't have much chance of paying back their mortgages. And so you had these mortgage brokers who were getting paid if they got a mortgage deal signed, and they would they would give mortgages to people who shouldn't have had mortgages. And they they were get
2: just, paid up front, and so their incentive just, was to close the deal, not to have something that was good.
3: That's right. It, it was a, it was a foreclosure waiting to happen. And then when these foreclosures happened, then of course the banks that ultimately lent them, them the money were in were in trouble. And then the other part of it is you had these you have uh, mortgages being packaged in into into securities and sliced and diced and sold off in parts like a baloney. And, and people were buying these things, not knowing what was inside the baloney. And once once things started falling apart and people were getting foreclosed or couldn't make their mortgage payments, people didn't know what was inside these crazy packages they bought. And so it caused a lot of prob- trouble for banks <clears throat> and the, and the people who held these mortgages. And then the banks and the other lenders, they swung from extreme optimism, loan money to anyone, to Extreme conservatism. Uh, don't loan money to anybody, and that that credit crunch has really, really hurt the market. Cause did
2: Did you see this coming at the, when the times were no, good? Did you think this would not last?
3: No, I, I i did I didn't think. I mean, there's no way home prices are going to go up again. All real estate is local, but in the places where prices were going up at ten percent a year, I mean, there's no way that's going to continue forever. But it's like any kind of kind of situation like this. You never know when it's going to end or what's going to be the catalyst that causes it to end. But most of the country, most of the country, did not have this hysteria. It was it was the hot spots like the Phoenixes and the Palm Beaches and the Las Vegases and the San Diegos where there was this speculative buying. And most of the heartland, it just didn't happen. And they didn't have the run up in prices, and they haven't had the collapse in prices. Mm-hmm. If you look at home prices in Indianapolis and Dallas and Fort Worth and Atlanta and stuff like that, they didn't go up a lot, and they haven't come down a lot. In fact, they're still they're still going up, but it's like 2% a year, is not, it's not the same
2: In a certain way, it's a healthier market instead of having the speculative binge and bust, right? Oh,
3: exactly. for sure. For sure.
2: Now, in the first chapter uh, of House Houseonomics, again, I'm speaking with Gary Smith, uh, who's a professor of economics at Pomona College and author of a new book called Houseonomics, uh, A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. You talk about the million-dollar question, uh, which was really you know, should you buy a home or not? Okay. How could you help people make that that major decision in today's market, where there is a credit crunch, where home values are not rising as they were in the past, in some ways you might say it's a better time to buy a house with, with prices
3: exactly. down. I'd say I'd say there's there's two two guiding principles which are, which are always true, and it doesn't matter what the market is like. There's there's two things that, that are important for home buying, and one is is that it's just the psychological thing that is immense for most people. It's an immense source of pride and joy to be a homeowner. and you drive down the street, or you walk down the street, you see your home. It just makes you feel good, and you walk inside the home, and you know this is mine. And you just you can love your home in a way you can never love uh, stocks and bonds and, and bank accounts. And so there's that there's that this psychological desire to be a homeowner, and that, that's always there. And then the second thing is that as an investment, it makes a lot of sense in this country to be a homeowner because. You know, Uncle Sam wants you to be a homeowner. We have all sorts of, of tax breaks for homeowners. That make it make it one of the most uh, attractive investments in general. You know, this, this is, this is these general principles makes makes homeowning, in the long term at most times one of the one of the best investments you'll ever make. And there are things like just a simple thing that you can your mortgage interest payments you can deduct them from your taxes. In a lot of countries, you know, you don't do that. Mortgage interest is is not taxable.
2: You say that the slow and steady wins the race. It, I guess that's the way most people think about homes. They don't try I to... That's how they
3: should. That's how they should. And I, I think of the homes the same way I think of the stock market. And uh, my hero and everyone's hero, I guess, is Warren Buffett. And he says, uh, in the stocks at least, my, fav- my favorite holding period is forever. And I think you should think of your home that way, too. Don't, don't think of it like a home flipper. Think of it as, I'm going to be in some area for a long period of time. I want a place to live that I can call my own, I'm going to buy a home, I'm going to make my mortgage payments instead of making rent payments, and over time, I'm going to build up equity in, the, in this home, which is going to make me rich year by year after 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, not, not uh, next month or next week or tomorrow, but slow and steady.
2: Now, you talk in the second chapter of uh, Houseonomics about uh, your home as an investment, Right. And you have the whole concept of a home dividend. Why don't you explain what that is?
3: Well, a lot of people. We, we did. My wife and I did this major study for the Brookings Institution about uh, housing markets throughout the country. And one of our one of our examples was Indianapolis, a place where it was a great place to be a homeowner. We argued, and one of the discussants who was, was a renowned professor of real estate, he said, "Well, let me tell you, my sister lives in Indianapolis, and Indianapolis is a terrible place to be a homeowner." because prices only go up at 2% a year. And I think a lot of people think that way of their homes as an investment. They, all I think about is how fast is the price going to go up. And it's like the stock market. When Warren Buffett buys a stock, it's not because he's, he's thinking the price is going to be higher tomorrow than it is today. It's because he's thinking about the cash flow. And when you think about your home as an investment, you've got to think about the same thing, which is the cash flow. What is the money I'm getting out of my home? And it's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky concept because your money doesn't your home doesn't literally give you money but what it does is it saves you money and if you rent a home for 1000 2000 3000 you know it depends on the location again 1000 2000 3000 a month every month 1000 2000 3000 is going out of your bank account into your landlord's bank account and if you own your home that 1000 2000 3000 is still there And you can invest it in stocks, you can use it for food, you can use it for your kid's education. And it is what you get out of your home is the rent you don't have to pay. Now, offsetting that is the fact that you've got your mortgage payments and your property taxes and your home insurance.
2: It's kind of like the opportunity cost of the money is what you're saying. Exactly,
3: exactly. And so what you want to do, what we call the home dividend, is you add up the cost and the benefits. And the benefits are the rent savings plus the tax breaks that Uncle Sam gives you and the cost of the mortgage payments and the property taxes and the uh, homeowner's insurance and then the net is, is your home dividend in places like uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, the home dividend is just extraordinary. I, I could run through some numbers for if you want or we can just...
2: After the break we'll come back and, and do that, yes. Okay. It's a, a concept I think people aren't as familiar with as the whole home dividend and it's really kind of seeing the rental equivalent is what you're talking about. And that's, that's why we the- wrote the
3: book is because people just think about home prices and they don't think about the home dividend which is really the key to long run prosperity it's why your home makes you rich in the long run it's the home dividend ok
2: I'm going to be back uh, this is uh, Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer show and my guest is Gary Smith who's written a book called Houseonomics A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security and we'll be back after this
0: internet's only all business and financial radio network voice america business
1: you hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line but what about your bottom line how come no one ever talks about that finally a show dedicated to the worker the crow show with paul mclaughlin the work wonk heard every wednesday at 10 a.m pacific time the crow show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment from work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, The Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show, with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk, heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. both their products and services are invited to become members of the money answers network the public can sign up for membership in the money answers network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources to learn more visit www.moneyanswers.com get ahead with money answers
0: the internet's only all business and financial radio network voice america business
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And my guest this hour is Gary Smith, uh, who is a professor of economics at Pomona College in California and the author of a new book called Houseonomics. A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. And there is a website related to this, which is houseonomics.com. Welcome back to the show, Gary.
3: Oh, glad to be here again.
2: And we were talking about the whole idea of the home uh, dividend, which is kind of a new concept for people uh, when you're comparing owning a home versus renting. And you've got a a description uh, of of how this might work uh, in your third chapter. Why don't you kind of briefly go through so people can understand uh, what the home dividend is
3: about? We... We love this example because it's uh, in Fishers, Indiana, which is a little suburb of Indianapolis. And it it goes to the heart of this uh, complaint we had before from the the finance professor that Indianapolis was a terrible place to own a home because the prices only go up at 2% a year. And so Fishers, it's a small community. The median household income is $80,000 a year. And it's been uh, Money Magazine is ranked it as one of the top 50 places to live in the U.S. In both 2005 and 2006, this is a very nice community. And if you want to rent a home there, it costs you about fifteen thousand a year, about twelve thousand five hundred a month, or fifteen thousand a year. Or you can buy a home for one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. And you know, for people who live on the coast, <laughs> it's hard to believe that the that this is a you know, what what can you buy for one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars in New York City or in uh, Beverly Hills or in a lot of places like that. But in, in the heartland, you can buy nice homes and nice towns for $135,000. Mm-hmm. And what you get from that is you're saving yourself $15,000 a year in uh, rent. And then, of course, there's the mortgage payments and there's the property taxes and the homeowner's insurance. And then you get those tax breaks, and that cuts down your savings to about uh, five to 6000 a year once you net those things out. Now, And that's money you're getting regardless of whether the price of the home goes up. Now when you buy this home, maybe you put 20 percent down, so that's twenty seven thousand dollars. And so you take twenty seven thousand dollars out of your bank account, you turn it over to a bank, and you buy this home and you make your mortgage payments and you save yourself rent. In the first year, you're making five to six thousand dollars a year on a twenty seven thousand dollar investment. And that I mean there's nowhere and it's guaranteed. And there's nowhere, there's nowhere you can make investments like that with sure.
2: Even if the value of the property is falling, you still get the home dividend you're saying.
3: Even if it's falling, even if it's flat, even, it doesn't matter what's happening to the price. But, and, I mean, this guy says home prices are only going up at 2% a year. Even if they didn't go up at all, you still have your five to $6,000 home dividend on a $27,000 investment. And the new, it's even better than that because what's going to happen over time? Rents are going to go up, so your main benefit's going to go up, and the mortgage payments aren't. The mortgage payments are fixed, and then after 30 years they disappear entirely. And so you start off with a home dividend of five to six thousand dollars, and after a couple of years, it's seven to eight, and then it's ten to twelve, and then it's fifteen to seventeen, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And you take that money—that five to six, seven to eight, eight to ten, ten to twelve, fifteen to twenty—and you invest it. And after thirty years, you're actually you're actually a millionaire, and it, you become a millionaire not because home prices in Indianapolis rose dramatically. I mean, they don't have to rise at all. You're a millionaire because you saved yourself fifteen thousand dollars a year in rent. You netted five to six thousand dollars a year, and it grew, and you you let it build up over time. And that 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 is an absolutely stupendous investment. And it it, it is true whether home prices in Indianapolis go up at two percent or zero percent or negative two percent or whatever. Again, it it's back like the stock market. When Warren Buffett buys a stock, it's not he doesn't care what happens to the price because. My favorite holding period is forever. What he cares about is the cash flow, and the cash flow on homes in the heartland is just irresistible.
2: Yes, you're saying every year that goes by, the, the way your dividend is rising is you're you're gaining equity in the house. basically well,
3: no, what happens. Well, it's a, the home dividend is rising because that rent of twelve fifty a month that you that you're saving yourself. Next year it might be twelve sixty a month, and five. The years rent is now. going up,
2: and, and you're gaining more equity at the same time. You're saying you're,
3: you're gaining equity, and your rent savings going up, and your mortgage payment, the main cost, is 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 constant. And so, you're getting farther and farther ahead of the game, and and thirty years down the road, instead of paying uh, thirty or forty thousand dollars a year in rent, you're paying nothing.
2: So why don't you just briefly, for people who want to figure out what their house dividend or home dividend would be, just kind of explain to them briefly how they can calculate it.
3: Right. Well, in our book and also on our website, we've got a little calculator there where you fill in the numbers and and, uh, and, and do it. But you start off with what are, what are the main uh, benefit, which is your rent saving. Do everything. On, you can do it monthly or annual, but it's sort of easier to do it annual. So start off with your monthly rent saving to multiply by 12. And then you think about what your costs are. And there's the mortgage payments. You got to figure out how much you pay each month in mortgage, and your property taxes, and your homeowners insurance, and then your maintenance expenses, and then against that you've got your tax savings that the uh, federal government gives you because you let they allow you to write off your and the state as
2: well in many states the state and
3: it depends on the state but in states like your New York or my California you get a state tax break too because you get to write off the, the interest and. And so then you net those things up, and that and that's your home dividend for the current year. And then if you want to do it for the next year, you say, well, next year my rent would have been higher if I didn't own a home, but my mortgage payments are going to be the same. And
2: so, on. so you're saying the same is true. Now, in a higher-cost area, not Indiana, but if you're in California or something, the rents are going to be much higher. So that's
3: the- right. And so, like I say, all, all real estate is local. And so we can't make a blanket statement like, uh, you can't go wrong buying a home no matter where you live, it, it all depends on, on how, how home prices compare to rent. And in places like Fishers where it costs you 15000 to rent and 135000 to buy, it's just an absolute no-brainer. You want to be a homeowner. And in other places where it costs a couple thousand to rent and a million to buy, the math could, could easily go the other way. I want to finish a thought I started before, though. Sure. Before, before I forget, which <laughs> I forgot already, which was we talked about the, the current real estate market. And I had these two main principles, which is the great psychological benefit and potentially the great investment benefit for being a homeowner. In terms of today's market, I think it's a great time in most places to be, a, to be on the buying side of the equation because it's like the stock market. You want to be a buyer when there's more sellers than buyers, and you want to be a seller when there's more buyers than sellers. And today's market, because banks are, are so conservative in their loans, it's very hard for people to get loans. And it's very hard for people to be able to buy homes consequently. And so if you're one of the lucky few who can get a loan and could be on the buyer's side of the table, there's a lot of sellers who want to do business with you. And so you can you can be a, a tough negotiator and, and get the home of your dreams. And it's much better than in a market where buyers are bidding wars and auctions and prices are jumping daily. In a market like this, you want to be a buyer not a seller.
2: I guess another advantage you have is you have time on your side. You don't have to... Exactly. There's, there's
3: a lot of, ha- lot of homes on the market. And you find a home you like and you make an offer, and if it's rejected, well, you move on to the next home. And, and so it's not like every home is going to be gone tomorrow. There's going to be homes sitting there waiting for you.
2: In Chapter 4, you talk about the, the best oh. ways to find a home and close the deals. Uh, what are some, some things that people might not be familiar with as, as are good tips for finding a good home for their needs?
3: Well, I think probably most people know this, but... Uh, they say the three most important things in real estate are, of course, uh, location, location, location. And so, I would say I would say that finding a good home in a great location is a lot better than finding a great home in a bad location. And so, when, when you start your homeowner search, the place to start is not what kind of home do I want, but it's where do I want to live? And it, it depends on it depends on on individuals, of course. And so, having a place that's close to where you work. So you don't have to have a long commute, having a place that's close to good schools if you have children, having a place that's good to close to the kind of stores you like to shop at. My wife joked a while back, we went to a, went to a Whole Foods store, and she said we ought to buy a home uh, next to it. And I think there's some folklore out there that uh, when a Whole Foods comes into a neighborhood, the home prices jump 7%. And, and So think about whatever's important to you. If you don't care about Whole Foods, if you're a Costco person like we are, then and that's important. If you got kids like we do, then good schools are important. If you got jobs like we do, then being close to your work is important. And so so I, I walk to work every day. So I, I have a great location.
2: Tell me about the effect of higher gas prices on the home market these days.
3: It's it's astounding out where we live. We have uh, we're on the border of uh, what's called the Inland Empire in, in California. We, in Southern California, there's been this great sprawl throughout the whole area. As People have moved in, and home prices have gone up. People looking for a place they can buy an affordable home, and builders looking for places they can build affordable homes, and they keep having to go farther and farther away from Los Angeles and San Diego and, and San Francisco and the other major metropolitan areas. And so they spread out into the great uh, inland areas, and even up into the high desert areas, which are an hour an hour away from from. Uh, Almost all of Southern California's attractions an hour away from the uh, amusement parks, an hour away from the beaches, an hour away from sports centers. And for a lot of the people who live up there, it's an hour away from their jobs. And yet, people were doing it. And up in the high desert area here, that was called the Victor Valley, there's a hundred thousand people living up there now, which is which is the population of Anaheim, which is where Disneyland is, a major Southern California city. And up in those areas, the great attraction is that land is cheap and homes are cheap. But now you've got these gas prices. About, you know, back when gas was a quarter a gallon, fifty cents a gallon, a dollar a gallon, two dollars a gallon, that made sense. Now you got gas prices at three dollars a gallon, three fifty a gallon, four dollars a gallon. Who knows what it's going to be next year? And it, it doesn't make sense to live so far from everywhere.
2: So that's part of the reason why home prices are falling in these more outlying areas.
3: Yeah, and and so out in those, and the farther out you go, the the worse it is. And Home prices have just collapsed out there because uh, gas is so expensive that it just does not make economic sense to live so far from, from where all the action is.
2: So would you recommend,
3: I guess... It's the location thing. Location, location, location. If you live in Claremont, it makes a lot of sense to live in Claremont. It doesn't make a sense to live an hour away. You know, it's not just the gasoline. It's the time you spend in the car and the wear and tear on your car. And the first th- thing you should think about is not, oh, I can buy a great home. Where in the heck is this? The first thing to think about is, where do I want to live? Now what can I buy?
2: It's a major change to the home market, yeah. And I think from where we are now, with gas prices at $4 a gallon going higher, it's going to continue to affect these outlying areas uh, for housing.
3: Yeah, they're, they're, they're in a world of trouble out there, and they're, they're trying to figure out how to get their home prices down or how to bring industry out there. So, Because if they had jobs out there, then, of course, the people would be close to the jobs and everything would would be fine in the world. The trick is getting the jobs to where the people are.
2: We're going to go to a break now. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman with The Money Answer Show, and my guest is (coughs) Gary Smith, uh, who's written a new book called Houseonomics, A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. And we'll be back after this.
0: The bottom
2: line in business. Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit. And grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business.
0: Small Business Owners. Do you want answers to your most pressing financial concerns? Do you want to stop stressing about money and finally understand how to create wealth? Let Elizabeth Potts Weinstein and the Wealth Spa Radio Show answer your most pressing financial and legal questions about your small business and help you achieve business success and the lifestyle of your dreams easier and faster than you could imagine. The Wealth Spa Radio Show broadcasts live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Radio Network.
1: both their products and services are invited to become members of the money answers network the public can sign up for membership in the money answers network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources to learn more visit www.moneyanswers.com get ahead with money answers
0: the internet's only all business and financial radio network voice america business
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Gary Smith, uh, who is the Fletcher Jones Professor of Economics at Pomona College in California. Uh, He's just come out with a new book called Houseonomics, A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. Uh, there is a website related to the book, which is Houseonomics.com. Welcome back to the show, Gary. Glad to be here. We're talking about uh, realtors a little bit and, and some of the best ways to choose a realtor. Uh, today, realtors are kind of desperate folks, I guess you might say. There's a lot more people that were attracted to the market when things were hot, and now they're having a hard time selling things. How do you pick a good realtor in this market we're in today?
3: Well, there's a, there's a lot of things that realtors do for you that, that pretty much every realtor will do, like the paperwork. As long as you're with a reputable company and uh, you know, somebody has been in the business for a while, that's, you can't choose among a real among realtors based on that. The way I, the way I like to think about it is, a, a good realtor is a matchmaker, and so a good realtor is somebody who knows all the homes that are on the market in the area you're interested in, and it doesn't just go to go to the internet and look at a picture of them, but actually has been inside them and can remember what they're like. And then the re- a good realtor will talk to you about what it is you're looking for in a home. And it, it could be high ceilings, It could be a big backyard. It could be lots of windows with sunlight. It could be close to schools, whatever it is. And a good realtor will listen to what you want, and a good realtor will know what's on the market, and will show you a few homes, which are the kind of homes that you're interested in. And what a bad realtor will do is waste your time by showing you dozens of homes, most of which, have no appeal whatsoever to you. And so what you what you need to do is find a realtor who is really smart and knows the market and is a good listener. Unfortunately, the best way to find that is is by talking to other people who have had experiences. And you can't just go to the yellow pages of the Internet and say, oh, here's a nice website. This is probably a good realtor. The best thing to do is, is talk to your friends and neighbors and other people and say, you when just you bought a home. What do you think of your realtor?
2: You talk about the 6% fortress. Yeah. Uh, now there was just a, a uh, Supreme Court decision last week. I guess it was a Justice Department uh, settlement allowing discount realtors access to listings that only had been with full-service realtors before. Do you think that's going to change the market and allow commissions to come down somewhat?
3: For sure, for sure. Now the, the thing you said before was was that uh, a lot of people got into the business and have, have left the business, and there's a lot of a lot of realtors are hurting because sales are down. And one implication of that it's it's like being a buyer. In a seller's market, it's the same thing with realtors. You can negotiate with realtors instead of if you're a seller instead of paying a six percent commission, you can pay a five or four, a three percent commission, and it even works on the buyer's side. And so you go and ask and, and talk to a realtor about uh, showing you homes and stuff, and you can say don't be don't be afraid to say this. You can say, "I would like. I know you're getting a commission. I'm going to buy a two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, million dollar home." And I know you're going to get half the commission and that's going to be so many thousand dollars and I'll do business with you if you give me a $10,000 rebate $5,000 rebate, $2,000 rebate it depends on on the price of the home and the size of the commission but there are a lot of realtors out there who figure giving you a rebate and helping you buy a home is better than not having any business at all and so just just as when buying a home you're on the the right side of the table in negotiating with a seller. In finding a realtor, you're on the right side of the table, too, because there are a lot of realtors who would like your business. And this, the Supreme Court decision you refer to and, and the, uh, what that's going to do for Internet brokers and so on, the main benefit for most people is this going to put a lot of pressure on traditional bricks-and-mortar realtors to lower their commissions. And that 6% is going to go down to 5 and 4 and 3% and, and more reasonable. And you can help it along, because as a seller or as a buyer, you could you can negotiate the size of the commission. So
2: and it's you going should. to make realtors hurt even more, that if they're going to make fewer sales and get lower commissions, a lot more realtors will probably go out of business then, right?
3: That's, that's true, and and frankly, there's, there's a lot of realtors that probably shouldn't be in the business. And there's, there's too many realtors out there.
2: When does it make sense to try to sell the house yourself, as opposed to use a realtor, again, in today's tough market?
3: As a seller, I, I think I think for most people, the big the biggest hurdle for on, on selling is, is is all the paperwork, getting all all the paperwork done, and make sure it's all perfect and correct, and having somebody walk you through the steps. And there's no reason in the world why that should cost six percent of of price of the home, six percent of two hundred thousand, or six percent of five hundred thousand, or six percent of a million. And so what you should say to, to, to your realtor is I have the alternative of selling it myself, but I would like somebody to help me with the paperwork. And you can also help me with the marketing and stuff like that. Let's be reasonable about what, what I'm going to pay you. And the scariest part of selling it yourself is that paperwork. And, and so,
2: you just can't get a lawyer to help, help you with it?
3: Well, it depends, it depends on the area. And uh, I bought and sold homes in Massachusetts, and, and out there lawyers do a lot of the paperwork stuff, and you can get a lawyer to do it. In California, the realtors, the uh, real estate companies are the ones that do all the paperwork, and there aren't there aren't any lawyers involved other than the real estate company's lawyers. And and so you can get a lawyer involved, but it's sort of simpler to go to a, a realtor, Coldwell Banker or, or one of the others, and, and say, I'm willing to pay you for the paperwork, but I'm not going to pay you 6%, and do you want to do business with me or not? And...
2: It, and of course, the realtors would argue today that they deserve their six percent because it's so much harder to sell a home there's yeah, so much but it, more marketing but it, involved.
3: It's not, I don't think it's the realtors that sell the home. I think it's the home that, that sells itself. And and what what the real it's like the realtors say we're we're the, we're the good negotiators. And, and I'm I'm kind of skeptical of that. I think you can negotiate fine for yourself. I think what the realtors do is that is is it's something that most people can't do on their own is the paperwork. Or on the buyer's side, I think the realtors have a, have a. It's funny that you know the sellers pay the commission, but on the buyer's side, the realtors perform a real service, which is like we talked about before, matchmaking. I know the homes. I know what you want. Here are six homes that I think might interest you, and that that is that is a good service. But the buyers don't actually pay for that. The sellers pay for that.
2: Well, it c- comes out of the buyer's money ultimately.
3: <laughs> ultimately, and that's why that's why the buyer can say that's why the buyer can say to the realtor, oh. I will use you as a buyer's agent if you give me a five thousand uh, dollar rebate when I buy the home.
2: What do you think of using uh, buyers brokers who are supposedly exclusively uh, for the benefit of the buyer instead of a seller? I,
3: I don't. I don't. I don't know. The um, <laughs> I, I've, I've seen. I've been involved in transactions where there's a, a buyer's agent and a seller's agent, and I've been in transactions where there's one agent is, is supposedly representing the buyer and the seller, and it. it I don't know, I'm kind of skeptical of, of the process because what, what realtors get paid for is moving merchandise, closing the deal. And I think their interests are often not the same as, as the interests of the client. And what, what they're interested in is closing the deal, getting a 6% commission, and moving on to the next home. And what what, what label goes with, with what they're doing isn't really the, the key there. The key is they're trying to close the deal, and you, as a buyer and a seller, need to keep watch out for your own interest. Be a little skeptical about what the what what interest the uh, realtor is trying to serve. I don't have I'm not saying all, that that exactly. all realtors are bad. I'm just saying that there's a big incentive there. If 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 a realtor can persuade you to buy a home, and they're going to get a three percent commission, or you walk away from the home and they get nothing, they're going to try and persuade you to buy the home. I mean, there's, there's a very strong incentive for their them to persuade you to buy the home, which means there's a strong incentive for them to tell you, this price is good, this home is great, I think you ought to move. And as a, as a home buyer, you ought to be aware of the fact that there's this conflict of interest. And it doesn't mean, I'm not saying that all realtors are unethical or immoral or anything, I'm just saying that all realtors are human and some of them, this conflict of interest gets in the way of watching out for their customers. Yep. And there, there's some realtors that are great, but there's some where you, you just, Need to be careful. That's, that's why you got to talk to people about. Uh, they on, don't,
2: they uh, don't have to live in the house afterwards.
3: That's right. <laughs> you have to pay <laughs> with want, It It's moving merchandise, but getting the commission, and moving on to the next house. That's their main interest.
2: Now you have a chapter, and again, I'm speaking with Gary Smith, uh, who's written a new book called "Houseonomics: A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security." Uh, Gary is a professor of economics at Pomona College in uh, California. Uh, you've got a chapter called "Debt." Doesn't have to be a four-letter word. Um, is, is that kind of the way most people think of it when they take on a mortgage? This is a huge negative uh, obligation they're taking on here.
3: And there's, al- there's also a generational thing too. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've known people who lived through the Great Depression and and thought you should never buy a home because that would mean uh, you'd have to have a mortgage. And uh, and people, if you can't if you can't pay cash, then uh, you can't afford it. And, and then there's later generations which are <laughs> that's wonderful. Of course, I can afford it. I just, I, I just use my credit card, and that's that's just about as silly on the opposite extreme. And so, where you should be is in the happy medium, which is if there's something that makes a lot of sense, like a home, which has a home dividend. A mortgage is great because it allows you to save yourself all that rent and and to build your wealth over time. And you should, you should not think of it as, as something uh, obscene or immoral or embarrassing. You should think of it as, as Part of part of your uh, road to financial prosperity. On the other hand, if you're using debt to live beyond your means and to buy things you don't need, then that, that that's a big mistake.
2: Some people today are borrowing against their homes to invest right. uh, in stocks and so on. Do you think that's a good idea?
3: Well, the the key the key thing is whether the rate of return on their investments is uh, larger or smaller than the interest rate on their mortgage.
2: Yeah. But you don't know that going in. That's the you don't. get
3: and so if you're Warren Buffett and you can make 25% a year and you've been doing that for 50 years, sure, borrow money at 6% and invest at 25%. That makes, that makes the world, that makes all the sense in the world. On the other hand, you're just a normal, uh, mortal, ordinary mortal like you and me, and you're borrowing at 6% to invest at, I don't know what, that's risky. That's so that's I, like I, that. I would not advise that. So it's not as bad as, as using your home as an ATM, which is you, you borrow money against your home, so you can buy a, a second car, a third car, a fourth car, $120,000 car, take six vacations a year, so buy a $15,000 barbecue. I mean, th- those are that's worse than buying stocks, for sure. <laughs> yeah,
2: for just outright consumption. But a lot of yeah. people have been it's using because, their homes as an ATM.
3: In yeah, and that's if you want to build equity, we, we call a home a home retirement account. And... Uh, if you want your home to be your home retirement account that can take care of you when you're, when you're retired, <clears throat> you want to build up equity in your home, and you want to have your mortgage paid off, and you want to have a home that's saving your rent, and you, you thwart that if you use your home as an ATM and just increase the size of the mortgage year by year.
2: Yeah, you've got to get that house dividend working for you. Exactly. Very good. Okay, we're about to go to break. Again, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Gary Smith who's got a book out called Anomics*, A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. Uh, he has a website, which is houseonomics.com. And we'll be back after this.
0: The Bottom Line in Business. Voice America Business.
1: Both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve total wealth management. Listen to Three
0: Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern. Here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business.
1: Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business
0: bottom line in business voice America business
1: you've been listening to the money answer show with Jordan Goodman if you have a question for Jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to Jordan
2: welcome back to the money answer show this is Jordan Goodman your host and my guest this hour is uh, Gary Smith uh, who's a professor of economics at Pomona College in California He's come out with a new book called Houseonomics, A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. Welcome to the last segment of the show, Gary. Yep. Um, Okay, Uh, you have a chapter here on letting your home take care of you, Um, and so let's talk about that a little bit. You you talk about uh, HRAs, for example, um, and then reverse mortgages. When should people consider using reverse mortgage uh, to let the house take care of them?
3: Well, let me, let me first explain what the HRA is, because that's something we, we coined. It's a home retirement account. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that you've, uh, you're have you living somewhere, and you buy a home, and you build up equity, and you pay off your mortgage. And then you're sitting there in a home with no mortgage, and you're saving yourself tens of thousands of dollars a year in, in rent. And so it's like having a, home, having a uh, traditional IRA, which uh, you take the money out of the IRA to rent a place. Well, this is you have your home, and it, it's saving you the rent. It works the same way. Now, the reverse annuity mortgage, that's you're borrowing money against your home, and sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. And like we talked before, if you're using your home as an ATM, you're borrowing money to finance conspicuous consumption, the $120,000 car and the $15,000 barbecue. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you're not preparing for uh, your future. On the other hand, there, there are people who have lived in a home for many, many years. They're now retired. Their income has stopped. They're living on Social Security. And they're having a hard time making ends meet. But they're living in a home that's worth several hundred thousand dollars or even millions of dollars. And they don't want to sell their home because this is it has got a... We talked before about the great psychological pleasures of being a homeowner. And this is a home they've lived in for for decades. And it just... It is their place. And they, they feel comfortable there. They... There's a sense of well-being being in that place, and they don't want to sell their home. They don't want to move to, to a retirement community or or anything like that. And so, how are they going to be able to pay for food and clothing and the electricity and the telephone and stuff like that? And what you do with the reverse annuity mortgage is you borrow money from a bank, and instead of giving you a lump sum like a hundred thousand bucks, they give you they loan you money every month. And so maybe they loan you money a thousand a month or maybe two thousand a month depending on how valuable your home is and how much uh, money you need. And then they charge you interest on it, just like a normal loan. And what you're doing is you're using the, this valuable home as collateral and allowing you to borrow money so you can put food on the table and leave the lights on. And then uh, when you die and, and your home passes on to your heirs, then your home equity loan gets paid off and it comes out, comes out of your estate. And... Historically, they haven't been such a good deal because the, the people offering these things have often taken sizable fees and commissions on top of the normal interest rates. So it, it, was, it was not it was not always a good deal, but recently there's been a, a growing with the aging of the baby boomers and stuff like that. There's been a growing interest in popularity and popularity in in uh, reverse annuity mortgages, and the the, in, the terms have become much more competitive. And uh, I think for many people, it, it's an attractive option.
2: So you think it's better to do it as an annuity than to take it as a lump sum, or even as a credit line? Those are the three right, ways. Right, right. Because if
3: you take it, it. it as if you take a lump sum and you leave it the bank earning four percent or something, and you're paying the bank six percent to borrow to leave the money in the bank at four percent, that doesn't make sense. But you say I need a thousand a month to to uh, put food on the table and leave the lights on. Well, then just take out the thousand a month and, and just add it to my bill. You know, charge me six percent. Charge me a thousand plus six percent, and uh, when I die, you can take it out of the so, so
2: what has gotten better about reverse annuity mortgages in the past? Have the fees come down, or the why fees, is it The better fees enough? have
3: come way down because it's become more. People have found out that there's a demand for these things, and when there's a demand, supply comes in, and, and then there's competition comes in, and, and competition is usually pretty good. And so the competition has reduced the fees dramatically. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not the, it's not the thing for everybody, but for for people who are having trouble making ends meet and don't want to sell their home, it, it's often the, the very best solution.
2: Yeah. Your last chapter is called Selling Your Home. And uh, in this environment, that can be quite a challenge for people. (laughs) It can. What are some tips that you would give people who really want to sell their home? Maybe they've even had it on the market for a while and really haven't had much uh, interest. How should they handle the situation?
3: Well, the worst thing to do is to say, uh, I need a new kitchen in order to sell my home. And so I'm going to spend... Tens of thousands of dollars and live live through remodeling a nightmare to spruce up my kitchen so I can sell it. And usually it it doesn't make that. It, you barely get your money back. Plus you have to go through all that all that trouble, and then you you end up with this new kitchen. And maybe the people who are looking about looking to buy the home they don't like what you chose for the colors or the appliances or the layout or whatever. And so you don't want to do a lot of expensive stuff to try and sell your home. What you want to look for is cheap things cheap cosmetic uh, things that make your home more attractive. And the starting point is the curb appeal. And so what you want to do is you want to get people who drive by your home to take a look either by themselves or with a realtor. You want them to stop the car and get out. <laughs> and so you've got you've to present your home from the front as a very attractive, desirable thing. And so <laughs> you don't want any cars up on blocks. You don't want weeds and. the... In the front yard, you don't want uh, the mailbox falling over. You don't want the front door falling off the hinges. You don't want chip paint around. You, you want to make the home look really pretty from the front. And what you can do is just put yourself in the in a buyer's shoes and imagine that, that you, were, you were looking for a home to buy, and you drive down the street and you come up to this home, and would you in your mind say, wow, I can imagine living here? Or would you say, let's go to the next house? Once you do that you can figure out what it is you need to do, cheap cheaply of course. As cheaply as possible, what you need to do to make your home attractive. And so clean up the clutter, put some flowers in the front, make it look as, as bright and cheery as possible.
1: Now once but you got people out of the car beer.
3: and into the house, then you got the exact same thing. Imagine you're a buyer and you walk in the front door and what do you see? And does it something make you want to turn around and go out the door? Or is it something that says, "Wow, I can imagine this being being my home," and a lot of the stuff that, that makes the difference between those two things are things that are very easy to do. Number one is, is the clutter, and if you get rid of your clutter, it makes the home look bigger, it makes the home look cheerier, it makes it look brighter, it makes it look more like a livable home. And so, just go through your home and, and everything you don't need, <laughs> put it in the garage. Have a garage sale, get rid of it, put it in the attic, put it in the basement. Just get it out of sight, so that the so the home looks absolutely clean and immaculate. And then anything that is, that is disturbing, <laughs> you got bad pictures on the wall, or you got a hole in the wall, or you got you got the dog pee on the floor. You know whatever whatever it is, you got to take care of those problems, and you got to make the home look as inviting as possible, and. Those things, it doesn't cost a lot of money to do. It's just a little bit of effort. And and that's, you get your biggest return on making those small kinds of improvements and selling your home.
2: And then what if you've done all that and you're competing against other homes, even new homes that you know, are pristine to a certain extent, yeah. and it's just not selling in today's market or the, the buyers can't qualify for mortgages? Right. Do you just keep cutting your price or what do you do
3: <laughs> after it, you've done depends, all that? It depends why you're selling. And so if you say... Uh, I'm living in Austin and I got a new job in Portland. I got to sell my home. I can't be paying two mortgages. I can't be living in Portland and paying a mortgage on a house in Austin. Then you got to cut your price until you sell it. Or you got to rent it. And so you got to decide being a long distance landlord, bringing in the rent on this home in Austin, is it going to cover my mortgage payments, my property taxes? and leave a little bit of cushion for any damages the tenants might do, or not. And if it is, then you might consider renting your home. And if it isn't, you want to sell it. And, and yeah. the worst, you don't want to be in a situation where you own own a home in Austin and nobody's left in it. Right. And on right the other you hand, go. you say, well, the reason I'm thinking about selling my home is I need an extra bedroom. I have a three-bedroom, 2 bath house, and now I've got a new child. I would like to have a four-bedroom house.
2: Okay, we have to close. Thank thank you very much, Gary Smith. It's been fascinating. Uh, Again, Gary's book is called Houseonomics, A Homeowner's Guide to Wealth and Financial Security. You can find out more about it at Houseonomics.com. Lots of interesting tips on dealing with the real estate in today's market. Thanks very much, Gary, for being on the show. And we'll be back again next week.